chapter ten of one thing needful this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox org one thing needful by mary elizabeth braddon chapter ten mordanto fills the trump of fame it was nearly a week after the arrival of the visitors and stella had enjoyed more liberty during that interval than she had known since she became her ladyship's reader she had only been called upon to write a few letters in the morning and to read to lady lashmar after ten o'clock in the evening these nightly readings generally lasted till the small hours but stella did not mind that she was not a person who required much sleep and she was about in the dewy park long before the castle breakfast-time and sometimes spent an hour with mr verner before breakfast it was on one of these early visits that she was surprised by the entrance of a stranger who came unannounced into the cottage parlour while she was reading aeschylus to her tutor the visitor was no less a person than mr nestorius who had unearthed gabriel verner the day after his arrival at the castle and in whom the old man had welcomed an honoured pupil in the long-ago days of his university career before he threw up a fellowship at maudlin to marry the girl of his choice yes it was mr nestorius who stood in the doorway smiling to hear the rugged music of the prometheus from those girlish lips so you are still at the old work verner he said and with a very promising pupil will you present me my dear this is mr nestorius you have heard me talk about mr nestorius stella bowed blushing deeply it was the first time that any one of importance had ever been presented to her she closed her book rose hastily and took up the neat little black straw hat which was her invariable headgear i hope i have not scared you away said nestorius no sir it is time for me to go back to the castle nonsense child said verner you told me her ladyship would not want you till eleven o'clock sit down and let me tell mr nestorius what a capital grecian you are it used to be edgar in the old days remonstrated the statesman putting down his hat and seating himself at the table covered with books and manuscripts loose sheets of that vast work which was still in progress but in those days you were an undergraduate and i was a don answered gabriel verner shaking his grey head which was always just a little tremulous and now you are a great statesman and i am a nobody the interpreter of the staggerite must always be renowned said nestorius laying his hand upon a pile of manuscript on the old man's desk he had unearthed his old tutor the day after his arrival at lashmar castle and had spent a good many odd half-hours at the cottage talking over verner's hopes and disappointments 
listening with heroic patience to complaints against publishers and the reading public mild bewailings of fate comforting sustaining as only he could if he had been called a magnetic man it may be that magnetism was but another name for an intensely sympathetic nature stella looked at him with wondering earnest eyes as he sat beside the old tutor's desk he was a man for whom life was on the wane he had passed the flood-tide of life and fame and strength and beauty after some brilliant successes he had lived to hear himself called a failure and he had retired from the political arena ostensibly for ever there was to be no return he had done all that in him lay and if he had not succeeded in all things if some of his grandest ideas had been considered the vain dreams of an inspired lunatic he had at least made himself an imperishable name his fame and personality would stand out forever in the history of english politics and now he had retired to enjoy well-earned leisure with all those delights of the scholarly mind which can only be tasted by him who is free of all public duties who can afford to shut his door on the outer world who has neither constituents nor patrons to whom he dare not deny himself although he had passed the prime of manhood he was not yet even an elderly man he was nearer fifty than sixty his hair was still dark albeit streaked with grey a sable silvered his features were large and boldly cut yet with a refinement of line that made the face eminently classic the eyes were grey not large and deeply sunk under overshadowing brows but they were said to be the most expressive eyes in england terrible in wrath almost divine in love the mouth was large but the lips were thin and flexible high-bred lips the clean-shaved chin was massive the hollow cheek indicated thought and hinted at the night watches of the statesman and the student even to stella to whom his history was almost a blank mr nestorius appeared an interesting man so this is stella the young lady of whom i heard from poor lashmar years ago when she was a little child you knew lord lashmar sir my lord lashmar exclaimed stella breathlessly yes he and i were great friends though my original friendship was with her ladyship's side of the house poor lashmar interested me he was a remarkable young man he was the best and noblest man ever lived said stella within your knowledge yes i can understand and admire your grateful affection for him answered nestorius gently it was at harrogate i met him for the last time you remember werner he was there with you one autumn we only stayed a few days the place did not suit him and he was anxious to go back to the castle said werner yes i remember and one of his reasons for that anxiety was the existence of an adopted daughter a child of seven about whom he talked to me he was too good to me faltered stella he has his reward since you remember him with tears said nestorius yes he told me his scheme of education and how receptive he had already found your 
young mind what great things he hoped from its later development and all those hopes were cut short by his untimely death but i am glad to see that mr verner has carried on his pupil's work mr verner has made my life happy said stella i should have been quite miserable without him not very flattering to her ladyship remarked mr nestorius looking at her thoughtfully that keen eye of his noting the black stuff gown and linen collar the utter of absence of girlish ornament noting too the unnatural gravity of the small pale face with those wondrous star-like eyes noting the exquisite shape of the head and that coronal of blue-black hair i am grateful for lady lashmar's she was going to say kindness but her self-respect revolted at a word that would have been a lie and she ended her sentence with toleration and you really read greek asked the statesman i read it and love it no modern languages i presume french and german and a little italian you are a very wonderful young person i have had nothing to live for except books i should have been idle and worthless if i had not learnt a good deal from such a kind and patient master she had her small slender hand caressingly upon verner's shabby coat-collar and he looked up at her with ineffable love in his dim old eyes she has been sight to the blind he said she has been my consolation and i have been hers under perhaps not altogether generous treatment and now her ladyship finds that the girl whom she counted as a burden is the most useful of all her dependents yes i have heard that you are lady lashmar's reader lady carmenau told me about you and now if you are going back to the castle we may as well walk together and you can tell me a little more about yourself and your studies the offer of such escort would have been an honour to a young person of much loftier rank than her ladyship's reader stella put on her hat without a word waited meekly while nestorius and verner talked for another quarter of an hour and then the old man followed his visitors to the gate of the little garden with its chrysanthemums and late lingering roses and stood watching them as they walked down the village street the statesman tall and erect the girl slim and straight and tall beside him lady carmenau never rose before ten o'clock never appeared in public until luncheon it was one of the privileges she had allowed herself since her widowhood she left the raw early hours to commoner people the days are always long enough she said with her pretty languid air i get all my reading over in the mornings and then i am free to enjoy society lashmar listening politely to this explanation wondered what kind of reading it was which was performed in the seclusion of lady carmenau's own apartment inasmuch as her knowledge of books old and new seemed of the slightest but when a woman is completely lovely all words which drop from her lips are as pearls and rosebuds i am not such a loser as other people by your absence from the breakfast-table he said for i am always off early with the shooters but mr nestorius has a right to complain he finds the castle breakfast very dull with only mrs mulciver to pour out his tea the bishop's two musical daughters breakfast earlier and are off to the music-room for their 
morning practice before anybody else appears indeed and i suppose lady sophia is with the shooters when she has no hunting and mrs vavasour comes down about the same time as i do we generally meet on the stairs mrs vavasour has a good deal to do of a morning said lashmar i don't think all her morning hours are given to reading a complexion like hers must be a work of time i take it that each eyebrow must require a quarter of an hour to say nothing of failures poor thing sighed clarice i always feel so sorry for her a waste of compassion she is not at all sorry herself but to be a spectacle like that and to have people making jokes about one people must make jokes about something and better that they should make fun of mrs vavasour's complexion than of her character that i am told is faultless except that she is intolerably selfish i believe she is really a very nice person agreed lady carmenau mr nestorius made the walk to the castle last as long as he possibly could he professed himself enchanted with that pastoral landscape with his calm middleshire beauty seen in the rich colouring and under the sombre skies of autumn he was interested in the river and made stella show him the late lord lashmar's boat-house and the little creek that he had been so fond of the rushy retreats where he and his adopted daughter had spent many a summer day it was half-past ten when they arrived at the castle and stella ran off to her room to wash her hands and rearrange her hair before she went to her ladyship the statesman was keenly interested in this poor dependent and took occasion to talk about her at afternoon tea in the library where the shooters were allowed to enjoy themselves in their muddy boots and were refreshed with strong tea and cheered with pleasant talk before they went off to dress for dinner afternoon tea was much the pleasantest meal of the day at this particular season when it was just light enough to dispense with lamps and just cold enough to enjoy a wood fire lady carmenau secure in the consciousness of sound daylight beauty lounged gracefully in an oriental tea-gown while lady sophia who knew that a habit was the one costume which really suited her balanced herself on the toes and heels of her neat little boots before the fireplace and honoured the company with one of those graphic descriptions of a run which are so intensely interesting to the narrator and such an intolerable bore to the audience mrs vavasour who never sat on a chair when she could find an excuse for graceful sprawling was reclining on the hearth-rug caressing her poodle while the bishop's daughters who disapproved of the lady but admired the poodle showed their experience of society by their polite attentions to the dog and their cool avoidance of its owner mrs mulciber looking like the goddess of plenty in a tailor gown presided at a tea-table richly furnished with every variety of muffin and bun is one of lady lashmar's bad days and she was not to appear until dinner-time i've had a long talk with your poor brother's protege said mr nestorius luxuriously seated at lady carmenau's elbow and enjoying his second cup of tea she is the most extraordinary girl i ever met as how asked lashmar coldly she is not twenty and she has read more than most women of fifty she knows half a dozen languages and has an intense appreciation of classic literature 
and yet she has all a girl's humility and a perfect unconsciousness that she is gifted above the rest of her sex but do you call it gifted to be able to take in half a dozen grammars and dictionaries asked lady carmenow contemptuously the wretched girl has been crammed by old mr verner an eccentric of the purest water a remarkably fine scholar interrupted nestorius and i dare say like one of those certificated schoolmistresses one reads of in the papers the poor thing will go off her head some fine morning from too much learning i beg your pardon lady carmenow this girl has not been crammed she has learnt all she knows for the love of learning books have been her only companions in this house mr verner her only friend out of it she has absorbed the fruits of his long years of study she has profited by poor lashmar's training and by verner's multifarious reading in a word she is a blue stocking of the first water you don't mean to say mr nestorius that you who are so manly a man can admire the unwomanly in woman there is nothing unwomanly in miss miss by the by i did not hear her surname this morning she was only introduced to me as stella her father's name was boldwood answered lashmar but she has been called here by no other name than stella her father was a blatant radical who preached socialistic and atheistic opinions to the operatives of broome no influence so baneful for the uneducated classes as that of an educated man who has gone wrong boldwood a freethinker and a radical exclaimed nestorius upon my word i believe the man must have been a fellow i knew at oxford a bally old man one jonathan boldwood jonathan was his name poor old lash had an idea that he had seen him in the oxford eight nothing more likely boldwood was a great athlete and a very clever fellow into the bargain it was thought that he would take high honours at balliol but there was a screw loose somewhere he turned radical and wasted his time at the union where he was famous as a grand speaker he read kant and hegel when he ought to have been reading for his degree and the end was failure he published a pamphlet which sneered at the university as an institution and libelled the dons the rest is silence he was not absolutely sent down but he was one of the most unpopular men in the college and one fine morning he disappeared altogether leaving his books and baggage and a sheaf of tradesmen's bills on his table he was heard of three years afterwards travelling in spain a student of romany and the companion of gypsies following in the footsteps of borrow without the bible i never heard of him afterwards his last incarnation was as a working engineer in broome said lashmar it was always supposed there that he had married a gypsy but i had imagined the common type of english race-course romany not the more romantic gatana that idea of a spanish alliance would account for stella's dark eyes and blue-black hair she is a most interesting girl murmured nestorius with a dreamy air lady carmenow felt offended she had no ulterior views about mr nestorius but she would have liked him to languish under the spell of her fatal beauty at least so long as they two were staying under one roof wherever she was it behooved her to be first she had a particular dislike to learned women and hated to hear a woman admired on account of mental graces perhaps from an underlying consciousness that her own mind was the poorest thing about her 
i must know more of this very interesting girl exclaimed mrs mulciber in her round comfortable voice why cannot we have her to tea of an afternoon mrs mulciber wished to stand well with mr nestorius firstly because he was a great man in the abstract and it would be pleasant to be able to describe him as her particular friend and secondly because she did not believe that his retirement from public life would be eternal the day might come when the student would again be prime minister and then it would be well to have gratified the great man's little whims and to be remembered as a pleasant serviceable person why not indeed exclaimed mrs vavasour it would be capital fun she would be copy for vav he could put her into one of his books vav pet name of his wife's looked daggers he hated to have his books talked about most of all to have them talked about by mrs vavasour who never read them and who had the credit of writing them that suggestion that everything in life was to be copy for him that he had no ideas of his own but must go about the world character stalking was positively maddening i never put actual people in my books he said quite true muttered nestorius aside to lady carmenau his characters are anything but actual people it would not be at all right to have the girl here as a kind of laughing-stock said clarice with a magnanimous air as if she were defending the absent not by any means as a laughing-stock only as something fresh and bright and original argued mrs mulciber but she is only a kind of servant urged clarice it would be cruel to unsettle her mind i think her mind is too well furnished to be unsettled by a cup of afternoon tea said nestorius a kind of servant who knows half a dozen languages is not likely to remain long a servant rely upon it that girl will strike out some career for herself before she is much older she has been in bondage hitherto but she has made good use of her bondage mrs mulciver pounced upon stella in the corridor on the following afternoon introduced herself with affectionate familiarity and wanted to take the girl to the library we all want you to come to tea she said mr nestorius has been telling us how clever and how nice you are to her surprise stella flatly refused i used almost to live in that room when i was a child she said it is there i most vividly remember lord lashmar my lord lashmar his ghost haunts the room i could not bear to hear talk and laughter and to see strange faces there you are a very foolish girl said mrs mulciber with her kindly common-sense tone your life must be hideously dull a positive slavery the hard work without the privileges of an upper servant and here is an opportunity for improving your position and getting your superiority recognized by the very best people i don't care for the best people the girl answered bluntly they are nothing to me i would rather be with mr verner than with the finest of lady lashmar's friends you forget that mr nestorius is among those very people to know such a man is a liberal education mr nestorius is very clever and very kind but i would rather see him at mr verner's cottage than among the fine people downstairs you are incorrigible exclaimed mrs mulciber your only chance of ever getting on in the world is knowing smart people then i shall never get on for i hate smart people 
as she spoke there was a vision in her mind of a long vanished day she recalled that afternoon in the library the girlish graceful figure clad in tawny silk and scarlet sash the bright beaming face turned to her the pitying hand from which she had shrunk as from something unclean and her own image in a black frock skimpily made common she had keenly felt the sting of her own unbeauteousness as contrasted with that radiant vision she would have felt it even if lord lashmar had not denounced her as ugly and ill-mannered she had been both she was both even yet perhaps although she had been able to get on so well with mr nestorius these mighty souls are indulgent to ugliness and bad manners did not plato and all the best men in athens put up with socrates so did she argue with herself and nothing would induce her to accept mrs mulciver's invitation she is what our neighbours call farouche said that worthy woman when she announced her failure she is very much at home with homer and virgil but she is afraid of us nothing more was said about stella captain vavasour had kindly consented to read a short story which he had just written for harper a story of the upper currents and to listen and to criticise absorbed everybody's attention tea muffins shortbread sentiment buddhism pleasantly occupied the afternoon hour in the evening the vavasour started games dumb crambo charades clumps the usual kind of thing mr nestorius excelled at dumb crambo it was an attribute of his all-roundism the vale saitung man must stoop from greek to games from the fate of nations to hunt the slipper lashmar detested this kind of fooling so he went off to the library and plunged into the thrilling pages of hansard he was interested in a factory bill that was to come on next session the everlasting question of right and wrong between employers and employed and he wanted to make himself master of the subject it behooved him as one having much property in broom to be a friend of the operative albeit setting his face steadily against all innovations that smacked of socialism he had begun to read after ten o'clock and he read on till after twelve by which time the house-party had finished their games and retired for the night mr nestorius yawning tremendously directly he escaped from that appreciative circle of which he had been the life deep in the report of a case of trade-union tyranny which had gone almost as far as murder and quite as far as arson lashmar was unconscious of the opening of a door near him and only looked up from his book when he felt a sudden brightening of the light in front of him it was his mother's slave standing there in her black gown with a candle in her hand i came to look for a book for her ladyship i did not know you were here my lord she faltered startled at finding any one in a room she had expected to find empty can i help you what book is it sir thomas mallory the mort d'arthur why that is the very book began lashmar and then stopped abruptly with a smile looking at the pale grave face in front of him which gave no answering smile it was the very book she had been reading seven years ago perched on the ladder yonder at the other end of the room involuntarily he glanced towards the spot 
shrouded in deepest shadow there is another copy she said i know where to find it she went to a shelf a little way off and selected a small octavo i've been reading the idols of the king to her ladyship and she wishes to hear the story of lancelot and elaine in the old romance she explained it used to be a favourite story of yours when you were a child i think said lashmar he had been looking at her deliberately while she found her book and moved quietly towards the door looking at her with the thought of what mr nestorius had said about her in his mind one thing was certain the ugly child if ugly she had ever been had grown into a very interesting woman he did not know whether to call her beautiful the small features were delicately moulded but they had not the statuesque beauty of lady carmenau's outline the little nose inclined to the retrousse the lips were too thin for loveliness lips of minerva rather than of venus lips of sibyl or mystic rather than of lovable woman the complexion was a pale olive that tint which suggests bronze rather than marble the hair was blue-black lustrous heavy the eyes were the most glorious orbs that lashmar ever remembered to have looked upon eyes full of thought and full of pride eyes of a queen and of a queen who would rule her kingdom he looked at her gown the black merino gown with its plain straight skirt and demi-train just such a gown as every housemaid at lashmar wore of an afternoon his mother had not been overindulgent to her dead stepson's protege he opened the door for her do you know that it is past twelve o'clock he said i suppose your duties are over for to-night no i shall be reading for some hours perhaps her ladyship is such a bad sleeper rather hard upon you not at all i am fond of reading and am always interested in the books her ladyship chooses she was leaving him with only a slight bend of the graceful head good-night he said good-night my lord she was gone and he stood riveted where she had left him so that is the tawny-visaged brat with the goblin eyes that my poor brother brought into the castle in his arms that midsummer night nearly fifteen years ago he said to himself poor old lash how proud he would have been of his bantling if he had lived to see her as she is to-night a girl who warms an ex-prime minister to enthusiasm a girl who for distinguished looks and pride of mien could hold her own in any coterie in london paris or vienna and she has grown up to this under my mother's stringent rule and then going back to hansard and finding it impossible to revive his interest in trade unionism and mary anne he said to himself she looks as if she had a temper just the same kind of temper that made her flout clarice seven years ago in this very room she looks as if she had nerves why doesn't my mother let her go out into the world it is like chaining an eagle to keep her here he heard voices a grave baritone a subdued contralto on the terrace under his window at eight o'clock next morning and looking out saw mr nestorius and stella walking up and down in apparently earnest conversation she is as much at her ease with him as if she had been reared among cabinet ministers he said to himself i hope he won't turn her head nestorius was talking to stella of her father a theme that thrilled her no one until this hour had ever spoken that name 
since hubert lashmar's death and lord lashmar had always been reticent upon this one subject shrinking from all questioning and you really knew him she exclaimed with delight you were at the university with him yes i knew him well and admired his gifts which were great he was an original genius and in a world where all things are growing old and stale that ought to count for much is it many years since since you lost him mr nestorius had a dim recollection of some tragical story connected with lashmar's adoption of an orphan child and he touched the subject apprehensively he is not dead the girl answered eagerly paling at the question at least i have never heard of his death and i always think of him and pray for him and dream of him as living i see his face in my dreams often though i was such a child when he went away he went away repeated mr nestorius wonderingly yes very very far away i think he must have gone to australia but lord lashmar would never tell me much perhaps he thought i should think my father cruel for leaving me but i knew him too well to think that he must have been in trouble of some kind great trouble or he would not have gone without me and then came the fire and lord lashmar saved my life and adopted me as his own little girl did your father leave long before the fire i can't remember all that part of my life seems like a dream i woke one morning and saw green trees and gardens and a river it was like waking up in fairyland that was the beginning of my life at lashmar i know my father was very unhappy the world had used him hardly he said and i think my mother's death must have broken his heart he told me once that she died of a broken heart you are to remember that when you are a woman he said remember that your mother's heart was broken remember this too fathers have flinty hearts i used to say the words over and over again to myself before i knew what they meant there was some history behind that mused nestorius deeply interested and so you think your father went to australia only because lord lashmar said he had gone very very far away he would hardly have said that of america which seems so near nowadays no he would hardly have said as much of america but surely if your father were living he would have communicated with you he would have sent someone in search of you would have made some inquiries about you in all these years oh please don't try to make me believe that he is dead the girl pleaded with an agonized look in all these years my only comfort has been to think of him as living winning his way to fortune in a new country waiting until he had made his fortune to come home to me that has been my only daydream it is the only hope i have in this life don't spoil it for me her hands were clasped her eyes streaming with tears never since hubert's death had she spoken of her father she forgot that mr nestorius was a great man and almost a stranger to her she bared her girlish heart to him not for worlds would i dispel a sweet delusion dear child even if it is but a delusion he answered gently but you must not talk of life being empty of hope for you at your age the future is full of glorious possibilities ah if i were only as young as you and as gifted come now be frank with me you must have ambition you do not mean always to be her ladyship's reader to fossilize in that position no no indeed exclaimed stella and then freely as she would have talked to gabriel verner she told mr nestorius her dream of the future a cottage beside the avon with faithful betsy for her housekeeper friend companion an abundance of books and her pen as the source of her income all she wanted was a complacent publisher who would buy her books 
you have an idea that you could write if you tried said nestorius knowing that the dreams of youth are for the most part only dreams i have been writing ever since i was thirteen years old she answered gravely you began with the first year of your teens that was early what have you written verses first stories in rhyme like scott's i don't mean like his for mine are not to be named beside marmion or the minstrel only on that plan i blush to remember all the nonsense i have written did you ever show your verses to mr verner never he is all that is good and dear and a great scholar but he is very matter-of-fact he would have read my manuscript patiently from the first line to the last and would have said my dear this is not so good as homer or something to that effect i shall never show my poor verses to any one but they consoled me while i was writing them but i have written two or three stories which i do not think can be much worse than the worst of the novels moody sends her ladyship let me see one of your stories immediately said nestorius eagerly what a wonderful girl you are and you have written for years alone in your room day after day night after night said stella had no time to write in the day the night has been always my own and you began to write and you have gone on writing without encouragement or help or counsel of any kind you are a wonderful girl go and get me one of your books immediately will you really be so good as to look at a few pages and to tell me frankly if it is quite intolerable rubbish i will tell you the truth in all honour and if your story is as good as i think it must be it shall be published even if i have to turn publisher and produce it myself and that will be the first step towards independence and your cottage by the avon added nestorius smiling down at her her cheeks glowed and her eyes brightened at the idea except from old gabriel verner she had received no such kindness since her benefactor's untimely death she looked up at the statesman with eyes that overflowed with grateful tears tears of joyfulness this time how good you are she faltered if you are as good to other people as you have been to me no wonder she stopped blushing at her own boldness suddenly remembering the gulf between them no wonder what no wonder that you are the most popular man in england in or out of office at least falteringly that is what lady lashmar said of you the other day lady lashmar is very kind but i am not so interested in other people as i am in you stella i may call you stella may i not you were introduced to me by that name i have no other name here my father's name is forbidden as if it were an evil thing because he was a radical stella is enough it expresses you admirably and now go and get me your story the one you like best i will read it before luncheon and if you can meet me in the afternoon at dear old verner's i will tell you honestly what i think of it perhaps i shall have to say that you have produced no situation quite so good as priam's supplication to achilles for the body of hector stella smiled and went meekly to obey her patron she returned in five minutes breathless bringing a manuscript which was thick enough to be formidable but it was written very clearly in a neat and somewhat masculine hand a penmanship modelled upon that of the late lord lashmore who had been as a god to stella she had cherished every scrap of his writing she had trained herself to write like him mr nestorius was not appalled by the bulk of the manuscript he was an enthusiast in all things great and small and took up every cause with a like earnestness your story is longer than i expected he said i shall not have finished it by this afternoon but i shall be able to tell you something about it he went off to his dressing-room after breakfast pretending to have letters to write 
drew an armchair to the fire and read stella's manuscript he had not read twenty pages before he started up from his chair and began to walk up and down the room rapidly as he always did when deeply moved he felt like a discoverer almost as columbus must have felt when he found america the girl is a genius he told himself delightedly there is a power in this there is a freshness that means genius she inherits boldwood's originality his audacity too this is a story that people will read it was a story by a writer suckled at the purest founts a writer whose fancy had never been wasted on the visions of minor seers the girl who had read homer and virgil and dante and goethe and milton and shakespeare from her childhood had started with advantages rarely possessed by the writing young woman her style had never been vitiated by evil examples her mental eye had never been dazzled by tinsel her english was true and clear and vigorous every sentence went home to the mark like a well-aimed arrow to the goal her thoughts when not purely original were called unconsciously from the noblest sources her plot her characters were all her own but she had learnt character painting from homer and shakespeare plot weaving from those greek dramatists who had given us all the elements of dramatic fiction and youth with its poetry and enthusiasm its ardent love and uncompromising hate glowed in every page the story could only have been written by a young woman and only one young woman in a thousand could have written such a story the girl has a fortune in her pen said mr nestorius in an age when strong fiction is one of the necessities of life like strong drink poor child she can afford to shake the dust of lashmar castle from her feet as soon as she likes yet when he met stella at mr verner's cottage two or three hours later the great man was laudably moderate your book will do stella he said i shall send it to my own publisher directly i have finished reading it there is tragedy coming i see the inexorable fates are dogging your heroine's steps why could you not give us a happy ending like that of alcestis i wrote the story as it came to me she said i felt that when iolanthe was so happy some evil must be coming think how happy my life seemed when those horses ran away ah poor child your life has been too full of tragedy the comedy is all to come fame and fortune and true love with a faint sigh that vivid pen of yours may win you all good things it has consoled me when i should have been miserable if i had been obliged to think about myself answered stella and do you really really think the story is worth printing sir she asked with childlike diffidence i am sure of it your heroine is not one of those invertebrate puppets that languish and swoon through a fashionable novel she is a creature of flesh and blood as much alive as you are yourself she is sure to find friends and enemies which is still better for foes talk louder than friends and talk means fame End of chapter ten